Okay, we gotta get that coffee going. Okay, I'm gonna make um, Blue Bottle, of course. I'm doing their winter blooms. I feel like this is the last of it now that the holidays are over. Hi there, Happy New Year. I'm Emily Kinney and welcome back to My Caffeine Withdrawal. Sam Harris is the lead singer of a band you all know and love, X Ambassadors. They are a band that has accomplished so much and reached an audience all over the world. You know, over holiday break, I heard Sam's songs on multiple car commercials as well as, of course, on the radio. And like everyone else in the world, I am always so moved by his powerful, uplifting voice. And I am very excited for all of you X Ambassadors fans and Sam Harris fans to learn more about him. Okay, it's looking like the water's almost heated up. So in today's episode, we talk a lot about the formation of X Ambassadors and Sam's early days in New York City working at a coffee shop, as well as get into some of the difficulties he's faced as a creative person. Sam has such a great attitude, and it definitely rubbed off on me that day. But I also feel like with this episode, we really dove back into my caffeine withdrawal's original goal of me geeking out over coffee with musicians I love. Sam and I spend the first 30 minutes or so just talking about coffee. So if you are here for more of the um, coffee portion of this podcast, then this episode is definitely for you. Just the smell is already waking me up, so. All right, gonna have a good day. <laughs> now that I got my coffee. I'm so happy to have you here today on the podcast. I am so <laughs> excited to be here. I jumped the gun and we were talking before I was ready to record and now I'm recording, but I'm so, so, so excited to be here. Yes. Okay. So you're going to go over how you make your pour over coffee in the morning. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally now it's the first thing that I do when I wake up because on the bus that's become my routine here is normally I make my coffee, I sit down, I journal, I write three pages a day. Oh, great. And then, and then I start my day. Yeah. It's the, I got it. I think I, I got it from someone who had read the artist's way. Yeah. Have you, I have those yeah. books. The, there's, there's a few. Um, yeah, that's just, I, I actually do the three pages too. Not as much now, but I've gone through different cycles, you know, where I've been like, okay, I, know. I have listen, to get back to it. Listen, I need, no judgment. Me. Yeah. No judgment. I do it in lieu of, I, you know, I was, I was meditating for, for a while too. I was doing 10 minutes uh, every morning, 10 minutes a night. And then I was like also doing the journaling and I was like, this is all too, stuff that's too good for me. I need to, I need to at least cut one of them out. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be that healthy. Well, the thing know, with mentally. morning routines is like you can start adding up all the things and then before you know it, it's like, okay, well, I've got two hours of like routines. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> I then, know. To then get into the work that I want to do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah. sometimes certain things like writing works and sometimes certain things like meditating works. And I guess like you go through cycles, but. Yeah. And I also find that 
in the morning lately i've been really enjoying like kind of doing work if i feel inspired to do it like first thing in the morning yeah i think that i'm better early in the morning and like in the middle of the day in terms of my creativity and at night i just kind of like turn into a vegetable <laughs> i know some people are the opposite but anyways i'll go back to the coffee thing i'm yes. sorry i got i got sidetracked that's okay i'll tell you what what beans i have right now um give me one second i'm gonna run I'm okay gonna run a yeah Oh yeah, of course. Canyon. Canyon coffee. Um, they uh, it that coffee was made by a, this. Do you know the band Wildling? I do. I I know. So Seth knows knows them pretty well oh, too. My okay. manager. So, okay. Yeah. So the drummer. I don't know if they're still together as a band, but the drummer of that band, Casey. It's him and his wife, Allie, I believe. That. Do you already know this story? They created that company. I don't know really much about it other than that I know the two of them made it and they're friends with Seth. That's all I know about it, really. Yeah, but it's good, really good coffee. So good. Do you so prefer, good. like, um, with your ratio that you've come up with? I know we haven't even gone. Yes. I, yeah. Okay. No, it's all you good. Go. <laughs> it's all good. So so I'm using, I'm using Canyon Beans right now. I grind. I have a hand grinder. Because mm -hmm. I, I, it's funny. I was just on the East Coast and, and I... I brought all of my coffee stuff with me and we took a we actually took a tour bus to drive from california to new york and i left all my shit on the bus wow. <laughs> so so i didn't have any of my coffee stuff when i first got to ithaca my hometown and i was using like an elect my mom's electric grinder and i just wasn't getting like an even grind with it at the at the you know the grain scale that i wanted so i'm very happy to get back to my hand grinder so i use yes. a hand grinder i grind up 19 grams of beans and i do 19 grams to 300 grams of water that's that's my ratio i came okay. across that through the instructions on a bag of beans that i got from reykjavik roasters which is this incredible incredible coffee shop in iceland in reykjavik um that my wife and i went to on our honeymoon and this coffee place is the reason that I drink coffee black now because I had a pour over that they made. It was an Ethiopian blend and it just tasted like nothing I'd, I'd ever tasted in my entire life in terms of coffee. It was like incredibly fruity and like, and, but then also light and, and like it felt chewy and like it was, it was everything that I want in a cup of coffee and I didn't feel like I needed to add anything to it. Oh, that's so good. So I got a bag of beans from them again and used their ratio, which is 19 grams to 300 grams of water. And uh, I'm I'm so nerdy with this shit. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm like <laughs> I'm so nerdy with it. So I do 45 seconds. I I do a bloom pour 45 seconds. Okay. The first pour I do, I double the amount of like grams of coffee that I put in. So if it's 19 grams coffee i do 38 grams of water okay i approximate wow. 40 yeah and then really i and then i add about it yeah yeah and then i keep adding 40 grams every 30 seconds until okay. i get to 300 uh and sometimes it's like i you know i add a little bit more a little bit less just to get it and then i enjoy my nerdy ass cup of coffee that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you so so this journey that started with Reykjavik roasters like this cup of coffee that I had, 
I was like searching high and low to find something that kind of was comparable to it. And everything that I was I was trying was was really good. And I was I was copying their ratio. I was like doing everything. I got my pour pretty good so that I have like a pretty even bed the whole time that I'm doing a pour. Um, but I uh, I like wasn't getting it. I still wasn't getting something that even came close. And I, I was at this coffee shop. Um, buying some beans, a place called Civil Coffee in Highland Park. Yes, I've been there. And I was describing the flavor of this coffee to this guy, and he was like, oh, it sounds like you had like some naturally processed coffee. Do you know about like the the natural versus washed versus semi-washed, all yeah, that stuff? There's, and then there's the different ones where if you leave the cherry, like the, because it's little cherry fruits and if you leave it on or if, yeah you wash it or leave it naturally in the sun and that's that. naturally yeah, yeah. Okay. so the the natural process of like leaving a lot of the pulp on the on the actual fruit when you roast it that's what gives it that crazy funky like like fruity flavor so then i went on a search to try and find some naturally processed beans and that was like a crazy headache and then finally now I've subscribed to this service called Trade Coffee, and they're really awesome. Oh wow! They're so then, really are, awesome. They'll they'll send you different brands of different coffees, but you say what you like, kind and of. And I like said, like, yeah, I laid out like I love like naturally processed, like very fruity, like very kind of funky and crazy. And now I, they send me a new bag of beans every couple weeks or so or so. And yeah, that's great because then you can sort of discover different brands you like and different coffee shops and that's awesome so you generally like more of like a medium lighter roast yeah or, yeah okay mm-hmm. cool yeah yeah I, I i generally do uh like now i'm just am getting pickier and pickier about what i like it was really yeah. like i i'm i was, I was in a, a terrible mood when i first got to ithaca uh, we, i was just there for like three weeks uh okay. with my my brother and his uh his wife and their son and my mom and when I got there I was miserable because I didn't have any of my any of any beans that I really liked and and I didn't have any of my stuff and it was like it really like had like a profound impact on my mood yeah I mean if that's the way that you wake up and start your day and you and it's like the one thing you like to have just right and now especially it sounds like you have like like you said the exact ratio you want you know what you want to feel like (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you want to start your day that way. <laughs> What's your coffee ritual in the morning? How are you doing that? Um, I'm into pour over too. I'm not as... Crazy as me? <laughs> it just depends. I go through different moods where I'll be like weighing it and doing it exact. And then sometimes I'm like less specific about it. And I've read different things online, like if it's supposed to be 30 seconds to let it bloom or like you said, 45 or right now I've been a little more into the darker ones. I don't know. Like, like I've, I've gone more into the medium, but then sometimes I do like adding like a little bit of milk and like almost Mm -hmm. being more of like a a dessert, like treat or something. So I think when it starts to get a little cooler, like I go there and if you've ever been to blue bottle, their roasts are have a little bit more of that those like darker flavors and like chocolatier, yeah, um, nuttier, smokier, nuttier kind of flavors. Mm. So um, uh, they have Bella Donovan, and then they have a fall blend that you might like. Actually, the fall one is a little more medium, a little more like it still though leans towards yeah the the nuttier 
kind of vibe. So, but honestly, I was just in Brooklyn uh, at the tail end of my trip, and I went to a Blue Bottle in Williamsburg and had their single origin that they had, and it was so good. I hadn't had Blue Bottle in in so long because the one that was near my house closed down, so I hadn't had it in a minute, and I forgot how great their coffee is. It's just like it's really great. Yeah, it's great black, but like I said, I also you know, like sometimes adding a little milk or creamer or whatever. So that's been my mood the last week or two has been more like blue bottle. I also have been trying today. What I'm drinking is this. Um, it's the Stumptown. They do like a coffee concentrate. Ooh, it's yeah. almost like if you want to make like an iced. So I made like an iced like cold latte thing, which is kind of, yeah. It's Love delicious, it. honestly. Oh, <laughs> I got really into iced almond lattes uh, last oh, year. Oh, nice. And I got really into it. You know, it. have you ever been to Go Get Em Tiger? I love Go Get Em Tiger. Okay, they have an, I was going to say, they have an almond macadamia nut latte. And it's, they Ooh. make their own house-made almond macadamia milk with like sea salt, dates. So it's a little sweet. So it depends on if, I know some people are like, I can't stand sweet in my coffee, but it's not it's definitely not overwhelming sweet it's listen just... it's not that i can't stand sweet in my coffee it's that i have to i have to actively avoid not having all of the things <laughs> the in things. my body be like so sweet yeah i love nothing more than like being on the road and being stuck in the middle of nowhere and going to a gas station then being forced to get one of those like starbucks macchiato in a bottle or like being in like doctor's offices or hospitals late night and like you're forced to like get like one of those like french cough like what were the french uh uh i don't know but like yeah just in the styrofoam cup or something and it's like yeah, out of a machine from the machine or something. yeah and it's so sweet and like everything in your life sucks but you have this fucking sweet coffee and you're like oh but have i you love ever, it french vanilla from the machine i've had yeah. those before and like they are I don't know if it's the sugar or if it's the caffeine, but they like make me shake. Like my hands are shaking. <laughs> my- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if now I'm used to just more like, because now I just pretty much drink coffee black or with like a little bit of milk, like I said, but it's nothing like that. Like <laughs> with like the chemicals and the sugar. <laughs> how did you get, so? how did you get into coffee? Just like from. Well, I actually, I worked at a coffee shop when I was in college. Me too. You did. Okay. What kind of coffee shop? Just hometown? It was a coffee shop that was attached to a bookstore in Soho. uh, A bookstore called McNally Jackson. Okay. Or actually, it was McNally Robinson at first, and then it was McNally Jackson uh, when the owner married. It's still around. Still a great great bookstore. Um, The coffee shop was so funny because it was kind of like... There wasn't a boss. We didn't really have a boss. Right. So like. This is New York City. So you this lived is New in York. New York City. Okay, cool. I lived in New York and I was in college and I was like, my my friend Kate, she got me this job because she also worked there. Okay. And we would like make horrible lattes for people <laughs> and like these kind of sandwich, we'd like heat up paninis and the panini thing and like people would sit there all day and read books and drink our terrible coffee that we'd make. And then like. Maybe an hour before clocking out, me and whoever else was behind the counter with me would go around the corner and get like beers and be drinking (laughs) beers out of sippy cups, you know, at like three o'clock in the afternoon at the end of our shift. It was very reckless. Yeah. Uh, It was very crazy. (laughs) 
the coffee shop I worked at when I lived in New York City was Gimme Coffee, and I was just realizing oh my you're God. from Ithaca. So Ithaca was the first of Gimme Coffee, wow. and they're serious. Oh, yeah, they're <laughs> serious. Like third, what was it third wave like coffee where they like go to mm-hmm. competitions and stuff. So yeah. started in Ithaca, but then they opened their first shop in Brooklyn. And On I, Mott's, oh, in Brooklyn. Or wait, maybe they did Mott Street first. They did Mott, I think they did Mott Street first because okay. I remember when I first moved to New York in like 2000, it was 2006. Yes. Uh, they had like just kind of opened up the Mott Street location and I was like, <laughs> you know, uh, Gimme's uh, from my hometown. So uh, <laughs> I thought it was very, very cool. Did you but, go? But oh my God, you worked at one. So did yes. you work at the Brooklyn one? So I worked at the one on Lorimer Street in Brooklyn. And okay. I did know they had somewhat just opened up, but I had just moved to New York City and I had been crashing with a friend like a few blocks away from it. And every morning I was like, where's the coffee shop? Because I always like, whenever I go anywhere, I like find the coffee. And I was going in and then one day I was just like, hey, can I work here? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, uh, well, because they're like so serious. I remember the guy, right. Chris, who worked there and... Um, but they let me fill out a thing and I was like, I worked at a coffee shop in Nebraska, so I could work here. And they, they ended up calling me and hiring me and I found an apartment like two blocks away. Oh my God. It's a New York miracle. Yeah. It was such a miracle. And they hardly ever let me pour the milk. They hardly ever (laughs) let me. (laughs) Yeah. So you worked the register. I worked the register and um, yeah. enjoyed the free coffee. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did get okay at latte art, but they were just so good. I mean, these guys were like in like the barista magazines. Yeah. That like in yeah. comparison, I was like <laughs> no good. Yeah, I know. I know. Let me just say this. So I, I'm I'm a proud Ithacan. I'm a proud gimme. I've been a gimme coffee drinker since I was... 14 years old, 13 years old. I don't know when I started drinking coffee. Probably not. Hopefully not 13. 13. I think it's probably 14. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a little early. Um, but like it's where I went on my first dates, like the really? Gimme Coffees in Ithaca. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh like my God, it was the so it was this beacon of like coolness and and uh, and sophistication in this little kind of like weird upstate New York college town. That's also Ithaca in a nutshell. I mean, you got Cornell and you got Ithaca College, and then it's just surrounded by like nothing, you know? So uh, it's a very weird vibe. But, anyways, I'm like proud Ithacan, proud gimme coffee drinker. And yes, their espresso drinks are crazy. Like the latte game, the cappuccino game, the macchiato game, all on point. Yeah. This last three weeks when I was in Ithaca, I got a bag of beans from them and I was making pour over from their coffee. And I like wasn't connecting with it i wasn't connecting with it and i'd get the drip from the actual stores and it was a little better but still like not like some of the beans that i've had here in la so my challenge to give me coffee i hope they listen to this (laughs) is that they up they up their game in terms of like the regular old beans that people are using for pour over because I, there was just something about it that just like it wasn't connecting with me this time. And it, it broke my heart. Yeah, because like I thought they were incredible when I first moved to New York City because just in comparison to like my Nebraska oh my coffee God. shop. Yeah, yeah. Like I lo- and they always had like really clever names for all their coffees. Like they had one called like the leftist. And yeah, to be fair, it's still like very, very good coffee compared to a lot of other coffee. And even yeah. at the time in New York to most coffee shops in New York. 
Yeah, but now you've traveled the world. Like, I didn't used to be as much into pour over. I was more into Americanos. And when I worked at Gimme Coffee, I always got Americanos. And it, I think it's because I didn't realize how good like a pour over coffee could be in comparison to like a drip coffee or an Americano. And so similar, I've had that experience where I'm like, oh, I really prefer pour over, you know, from yeah. or my yeah. own that I make at home and can control all the different dimensions of the coffee, you know, like the grind and the flavor. It's all about it's all water. about what we can control right now, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like it's it's just as simple as that. Like if I can't make my cup of coffee in the world, everything else is so crazy. You know, does your I, um does do you make your girlfriend or wife or girlfriend your yeah, a cup wife. of coffee? Wife, sorry, okay. Um, in the more, do you make her coffee as well, or does she like to ha- do her own thing? I usually make us both a cup of coffee in the morning. Okay. Uh, and lately that's become more and more the case because she's like, she's like, every time she makes a cup on her own, she's like, can you just make one for me? I Aww. can't. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll gladly do it because it's my Zen moment in the beginning of my day. It's something that I can just kind of like tune out everything. And it's because I've gotten so granular with it and because it's this so like every 30 seconds do a pour every 30, you know. It's, I can just kind of get out of my head yeah, for, for a second. Because the minute I wake up, all the voices kind of just start to congregate. And yeah, to be able to do something like that first thing in the morning is yeah. so helpful. Yeah. And this time, do you feel like the voice, like the pressure to like start writing and start and start working on your day? Or is it more just things like you're worried about or what are the voices saying? Oh, well, the, the pressure is always the, there's always that. I always put so much pressure on myself to, to um, be working and, and creating. And that's, that's always been there, you know, and I think it's, it's exacerbated by COVID and, and by the current political climate and and the actual climate climate everything that's going on you know it's it's uh it's making me um yeah a little crazy just trying to be productive in a moment where i'm always hearing like oh man so and so is like putting on this great virtual tour like look at this thing that they did or like you know i hear that this show is back in production already and this show's already rap production and it gets a little overwhelming and and granted like we are doing lots of stuff right now we've yeah. we finished our album uh which we had started pre-covid and then we went on tour and then came back and this whole thing was happening so we finished that up we have another project that's like a collaborations project that we're working on with uh, other artists where it's like kind of like x ambassadors presents okay it's called egg okay and yeah it's just stuff that we've produced and co-written with other artists who we really love and i'm singing a little bit on some of the tracks but it's mostly featuring other other voices and and it's really cool so got that between that and the album and everything going on for that there's like stuff that's happening Mm -hmm. and plans that are in the works it's a lot of planning right now and a lot of kind of like trying to figure out logistics which is not very inspiring and then in the midst of that you see like you know, all this stuff coming out about so-and-so, you know, started this right at the beginning of quarantine and here it is now. And you're like, fuck, man. I totally relate to that feeling. I have a similar thing where like, 
I'm a musician, but I'm also an actor. And so like I'll go on deadline and it's like people booking roles and da, 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 And I'm like, what? Like, I do what's going on? Like, where is, how is this happening? You've probably seen this meme where someone's in a boat and there's like fire and the world is falling apart around them. And then they're like, oh, good. All this time to myself on this boat to write my first <sighs> novel or something. And it's like so ridiculous because like, sure, you have all this time on this boat when like the world's falling apart around <laughs> you. <laughs> But yeah. there's something sort of ridiculous about trying to put pressure on the best way to use that time where you're sort of, you could feel like a little a little stuck or a little out there. Yeah. And I mean, for us, for us, it's extra weird because I think objectively the way that, that we operate as a, a business and as, as artists are, we rely really heavily on that direct fan interaction through our live shows and through plan, through putting on shows and playing and touring. You know, that's always been such an important part of not only our business model and our business structure, but then also just like the way we're able to feel like artists. Yeah, of course. You know? I feel like half of myself right now because I haven't been able to be on stage in front of people. Yeah. It's a very strange feeling. I often throughout this the last seven, six or seven months have been like, who am I again? Like, what do I do? I know I write songs, like I'm still doing that, but I'm not this other, another part of me that I haven't been able to, to access do anything and, yeah. with. To access, yeah. yeah. And so for us, it's like also kind of a really like a bit of a waiting game. Like we can, we're trying right now to figure out for this next album, because we most likely won't be able to properly do like a long, long tour off of it how to do a virtual show that is really cool. Right. But like on the practical side, it's just going to mean like losing a ton of money. You know, you can try to monetize it as much as you can and sell tickets, but like it's super expensive. You know, I'm not able to put on the same type of show that I would in front of an audience as opposed to an empty soundstage or theater or wherever we are. So I don't know. It's a It's a very... Very strange time. I think the good things that are coming out of it are just uh, feeling like free to branch out into some of the other stuff that I've wanted to do. I also I went to school for acting. I've I've oh, also cool. wanted to like get back into it. So I'm I'm you know submitting tapes for stuff, which is always really like I'm at the point where it's still kind of fun for me to do. Yeah, no, it's fun for me. Like I yeah yeah. I mean, I'm always like the happiest after I was like working on a self tape because I'm like, oh, I'm doing the thing that I feel like I'm good at and I'm best. Yeah. At, you know what I mean? So like yeah, because there are starting to be like more auditions and more shows in production and more things happening. But yeah, it's been a while with all of this. And so just even when I get to audition, it's like I'm so happy to be like working on the thing that I'm good at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so I know. That's cool it, though that you're doing. Yeah. So it's like finding, starting to get back into it. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you ever make music just like for yourself or for like or is it always kind of have this? So I think what's great about what I've started to kind of the mental shift that I've started to make in the midst of this is, is I'm just kind of trying to write in just plain and simple, trying to write good songs and leaving it open to the possibility of like, you know, this actually sounds like an ex ambassador's song. Mm -hmm. Like maybe this could be something we put out or just like writing something and saying like, Oh, you know, this is 
great for this artist or for this artist. You know, I, 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 allowing myself the freedom of just kind of writing is something that I'm coming back around to of, of writing for the sake of writing. So I've been working on this screenplay for the last like six months and, and starting to get really into that process yeah because i grew so i grew up my my dad uh casey and my my dad is is a a a unit publicist he he's done it for like 30 years more for more yeah because he was doing it before i'm 32 and he was doing it ithaca he was based in ithaca he's from la but then he was like always on location so his first move his career is crazy so as a unit publicist he's like he has to be on set but he just kind of hangs around and like he coordinates the EPK crews and the, you know, the, like if there's press on set that day, you know, he's kind of like their babysitter and, and is, is tight with the, the cast and the director because those are the people who are getting interviewed most of the time and has to go. He used to, you know, used to have to go to them with like little negatives of like the photos that were taken that day and get them to approve the photos. And so I'd go visit him on set and got to see like at an early age, like all of these people working together, taking their jobs very seriously uh, to make a piece of art. You know, it was the most inspiring thing in the world. So I've always kind of wanted to get back into the film game and the film world because I love movies so much. Yeah. I've been watching a lot, a lot of great movies lately. And yeah, so that's another kind of outlet that I've been doing. And it's, it's man, making a movie is really, it's really fucking hard. Yeah. I mean, there's so many collaborators too. It's like, there's the person writing it, but then casting and the production and there's just a lot of moving parts and... So many moving parts, so many variables, so many, every step of the way, it changes the film. Every single step. It's, it's so cool. And it's honestly really inspiring for me because it feels like, you know, you could make a movie in two weeks and you could make a movie in, in two decades. You know, it really like (laughs) feels that big. Do you remember as a kid, like going with your dad, was there a particular show or like experience that sticks out to you? My dad worked on some crazy movies. So the first movie that he did was Gremlins in like 1985 or something like that, 83. And then he did The Goonies. I remember when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. These are like epic movies. Epic movies. When I was a kid, he worked on The Sandlot. And I remember I was like maybe four, five, and I got to go on set and go up in that treehouse where the kids were oh my god that which is, is incredible. so cool i think the craziest one though was so he worked on gladiator and my family we all came out to visit him on set in malta and i got to like be on set when they were shooting the stuff at the coliseum mm-hmm. and they had the hor- the carriages and the horses and it was just like again like being sur- being in this crazy place on this insanely huge set uh, and then everyone seeing the way that that everyone was like taking their jobs so seriously, I think that was the key for me in terms of my career of being able to be like, okay, I can make this my job. This does not have to be like some sort of pipe dream or like a hobby that maybe hopefully one day could turn into like a real job. Yeah, I was like, I saw these people do it. I can do it myself. Yeah, seeing your dad like helping to be a part of making a piece of art, you know? Yeah. 
And yeah. w- at what point did it translate to music? Like you obviously have like um, an incredible voice where you just like Thank always you. singing and it was like, oh, of course you'll always. be a singer. So my mom's okay. a singer. My mom's a singer. That's how her and my dad met actually. She's a jazz cabaret folk singer and she did that for many, many years before she met my dad, uh, just traveling kind of all around the country, singing at bars and restaurants. And she was singing at the, um, this hotel that's downtown. It's like the three kind of pillars. Do you know what it's, do you know what I'm talking about? It's a Westin now, but it used to be, yeah, in LA in downtown LA. She was singing at that hotel and my dad came at the recommendation of a mutual friend of theirs to come see her sing. And that's how they met. So she was, there was always music in the house. I grew up listening to a lot of musical theater. I loved Phantom of the Opera more than anything else when I was a kid. So yeah, I was always singing and it was always usually kind of ended up, you know, being applied to musical theater stuff because I did a ton of musical theater growing up. What did you in high school? Like what was your best role in high school? We did we, we did weird ones. So we did My Favorite Year. Do you do you know that musical? I don't know that musical. It's based on this this movie, or maybe the movie is based on the musical with Peter O'Toole, and he plays this like alcoholic, washed up movie star from the nineteen thirties or twenties. This young kid is like trying to cast him in this new big big movie, and he's like a mess, and it's kind of that story. And I played the it, the Peter O'Toole role, and I was like I was like fifteen or something oh, awesome. like that. And it was so fun. I, I did that one. We did the Secret Garden. I was the bad guy in that. I was like the the evil brother or uncle. I don't. I forget. Um, we did uh, Once Upon a Mattress. Oh, great! Do you know that musical very well? I remember watching it. I don't remember like all the characters and stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, it was so fun. That was all high school, middle school, and actually in college, I did a lot. I did a lot of theater at. I went to new school and and we did we didn't do any musical theater there but after college I was cast in this musical that went to the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh and that was like the last acting thing that I did before things started taking off for the band. Oh wow. But yeah, so to your question though like I I was always singing and then really into music and my brother was playing piano since he was like 8 and so it naturally just happened that I put a band together, I think for like a talent show in seventh grade at my middle school. And I've been in bands ever since. And my brother and I started playing together towards the tail end of high school. Um, After my parents got divorced, that was like kind of one of the things that brought him and me together. We had always had a really fraught relationship growing up too. It was very like... You're younger, or is he? I'm younger. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm younger. My brother's two years older. But, you know, being blind, like, I had to help him a lot. And that became a point of tension between the two of us because I'm his younger brother. He's such an independent spirit. He hated having to, like, be helped by anyone. So yeah, he would take out a lot of that frustration on me and my mom, you know, who it was just the three of us most of the time because my dad was always working. It, it wasn't until my parents split and I think we both got a little older and, and realized that we were moving to separate parts of the country. He was going to be in Portland, Oregon at a piano tuning school where he would learn how to be a piano tuner and technician, which is what he did in New York okay. for many, many years while we were living there. And I was going to New York. All of those things kind of brought us together and we were like, hey, maybe we should be in a band together and okay. playing music 
together. Did you form the band together or had you already been, you said you had already been kind of working in your I had a band and we had changed names a bunch and lineups a bunch. And then when my brother started playing with us, it became pretty clear. And one of my best friends who was original member of X Ambassadors Mm 2 was in those iterations of the band. And he and I were moving to New York already. And so I convinced my brother to come out too. And that's kind of... Yeah. How and then that was that was where we met Adam, our drummer, and okay. from there that's like how it's how it's been. Now, have you guys? You were just playing, and you said after the Fringe Festival, that's when things started to sort of take off. Was there a particular thing that happened? I'll tell you what happened. I was working at a restaurant in Brooklyn, a restaurant called Vinegar Hill House, and I was there for like two and a half years. I got this job acting in this play at the Fringe Festival. And I'd been to the Fringe Festival before, and it was so amazing. I loved it. It paid me like 1200 bucks or something like that. My travel and my room and board was all taken care of. On top of that, I had been doing my taxes on, on my own for a, a while, and my dad was like, hey, why don't you have my tax guy in Seattle try and figure out your taxes for you this year? Because I know you're... you're got a lot of stuff going on so i sent my taxes off to this guy he got me a seven thousand dollar tax refund through some crazy thing with my student loans and like all the losses that i had declared over like my music and <laughs> acting yeah, yeah. expenses so i had eight thousand eighty five hundred bucks and i quit my job and i was like i'm going to try and make a living off of just doing music and maybe acting too and I just kind of took that leap of faith and I I you know I was I just started dating Tess at the time and I was like subletting my room in my apartment not living there I was bouncing around from her place to like my friend's couches basically living homeless even though I had (laughs) an apartment but yeah to like save money and to yeah yeah I couldn't afford to live in my apartment but I didn't want to lose it so I just was like renting it out to people Airbnb had just kind of become a thing yeah, so that's how it happened. I it, it was a it was a conscious decision of like, I'm going to try and make this work. I'm gonna take like this will last me this money. I can make this last like maybe a year, a year and a half. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> eight thousand dollars and an Amazon credit card that I just racked up a ton of debt on. Uh, thank you, Amazon. <laughs> And then, yeah, around that time, we met Seth, our manager, and, and he got us a booking agent, and we got our first tour in 2012, uh, opening for this artist named Lights. Uh, she's a like a synth-pop artist from Canada. Yeah, and then from there, you know, we just were kind of like nose to the grindstone, touring and trying to write as much as possible, and that's when we... Uh, you know, there was a moment where like we had a song that was being played on a radio station in, in Norfolk, Virginia, brought the attention of a couple labels. Yeah. We did the whole dance with a couple different labels. None of them signed us. So we were back to square one and we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> Alex, the kid and Interscope came along and and because uh, um, our music had actually been the guys from Imagine Dragons uh, had heard a song of ours through this radio station in Virginia and uh, um, they showed us to Alex, who then showed us to Interscope. And that's the, how we got signed. And that was 2013. So yeah. that was t- like two years after I had kind of like crossed my fingers and said, hey, let's, I'm going to try and make this work. I'm going to live homeless. I'm going to live like f- very frugally and do what I can. 
That's amazing. You know, from an outside perspective, like just when you look at like the timeline of your band, it seems like you guys have been consistently, but it probably doesn't feel like that. And so oh, I'm curious. Oh, it definitely does not feel like yeah. that. <laughs> so my question is like, have there been times where you guys as a band or just you as yourself have been like, wow, I don't know what the next door to open is or I don't know what where absolutely. to go and when have those moments been and then how did you move through them like what did you well, do I mean, in a day to like get through those times where you're like what's the next step forward or the next right choice I think right now we're in a moment like that yeah you know it's it's a very precarious moment and we're trying to figure out okay so like my brother's immunocompromised how long until we're actually able to tour again? If it's not for you know another three years, what are we going to do in that meantime? How is how are we going to move forward? Are we just going to put music out and like you know do a virtual concert and then put more music out and do, I mean how are we going to do that? So that's we're kind of at an inflection point right now. Yeah. And then you know in the past like between VHS and Orion, we released a lot of music, but you know we had a whole album that we had put together we just didn't really feel was completely right for us we really were putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to have this second album be like this perfect you know album yeah which is really dumb and in retrospect like i'm never gonna put that pressure on myself for an album ever again because you know you just can't ever match up to what your expectations are going to be you can't like predict anything but so we scrapped a whole album in that time between VHS and Orion too. We lost a member of the band. So so one of the founding members, he struggled with substance abuse issues for for many years, and and uh, eventually it got pretty ugly. And and uh, um, we had to we had to like you know it, it was a, over a long period of time. I don't know if you know you have anybody in your life who's struggled with addiction, but it's it's you know. This is someone who I love and who is a brother to me and who, you know, like I gave a lot of chances to and excused a lot of behavior that I probably shouldn't have over many, many years. And finally, it just came to a head. And uh, it's it was clear to us that we needed to kind of like go our separate ways. And I still, you know, we still aren't really talking, which is a, a you know, difficult difficult situation. And that that really is a huge blow to us as a band losing him as a, a, a member, you know, and this sure. is someone I, I've known since I was five years old, you know, and who, you know, started the band with us. So in the midst of all that, trying to like make another record and trying to tour and, and rethink like who we are as a band, it was debilitating at times. And look, you know, you can be as busy as you as you can be on tour all the time, making music and life always just like will find its way to like make itself known to you. The real world <laughs> yeah. fucking comes crashing in always. Yeah. Set up your morning routines and it's still you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. like, you still might get knocked down. <laughs> you can yeah. take all that all every 30 second pour, you know, you want and still. So that was a a really tough moment and I think all we could do and all we can do at at this present moment is try to the best of our ability to just focus on what is in front of you today. It is really hard and it is a, a practice that is a lifelong practice. I think anybody who says, 
otherwise or who kind of like set, uses that like live in the moment phrase like flippantly it's you know it's just it's you it's very hard to do i struggle with it constantly but i'm really trying <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep it at the forefront of my head every time i get overwhelmed you know i talk to my therapist and my therapist is like just focus on you know right now this is not permanent i mean that's great advice i feel like similar i want to plan ahead and where is this all leading and I want to know if it's worth it and like one of the only things like what you're saying that has helped me is to be like well today I'm doing this and like that's what I'm gonna just you know like maybe I can plan for tomorrow what I'm gonna work on that feels important to me or fun. and the truth is you never know where your next break is gonna come from you yeah. really never know like I have never in a million years predicted any of the biggest things that have happened to us. Lizzo, you mentioned Lizzo. Like that was just a session that we took because I really liked her music. Yeah. And nobody really knew who she was. And we wrote a couple songs together. And then we wrote a couple more. And then fast forward a year later and she's like one of the biggest artists in the world. Yeah. I had no, like no idea. I mean, I, when I met her, I was like, she is a star, you know. Yeah, you just did what felt fun to you in the moment, not like some overall big strategy or something, just like what felt right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a great way for like other artists who are listening or just even anyone really just to be thinking about today and like what feels good today. And Okay, so I think I just have one little more question for you. Yes. Who would you like to have coffee with? And where, and you've already described your perfect cup, but maybe it would be in Iceland. I don't know. But your your best coffee date, I guess. And it can I want to have coffee with you. <laughs> I want to have life? coffee with you now. Yeah, we got to make this happen. That's the goal for me right now. All right, I, mean, I love I've that answer. I've talked this big game. I've talked this big game about my like scientific pour over. I got to flex a little bit. So yeah. that's that's my answer. I love that answer. So me and you in the future when it's safe. <laughs> yes, when it's safe. Oh, oh God. Yeah. So thanks for being on the podcast. But are you going to play oh, you're a song? So welcome. Or are you yeah. sending over? So- you're going to play a song right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to play? Uh, so I'm going to play Unsteady. Oh, great. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. A, little, a little classic. Yeah. A little classic for you today. I'm a little unsteady, little unsteady. Oh, hold on, hold on to me. Cause I'm a little unsteady, little unsteady. Mama, come here, approach, appear. This house don't feel like home. Oh, you love me, don't let go. Oh, oh, you love me, don't let go. Oh, hold on, hold on 
Cause I'm a little unsteady Little unsteady Oh, hold on, hold on to me Cause I'm a little unsteady Little unsteady Mama, I know it's your time being alone Dad, I know you're trying Fight when you feel like flying But if you love me, don't let go No, no If you love me, don't let go Just hold, hold on, hold on to me Cause I'm a little unsteady, little unsteady Hold, hold on, hold on to me Cause I'm a little unsteady, little unsteady Cause I'm a little unsteady A little unsteady Yay! <laughs> so good! Thank you, thank you. Oh, that's so good! It made me so happy. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad, I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much for being on. I can't wait for someday in the future when we have our coffee and yeah. We will so. make it happen. I promise you. Great to talk to you. Thanks again so much for, for having me on. It really it was a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. I hope you guys enjoyed this Sam Harris episode as much as I enjoyed making it. I'm so thankful to Sam for singing and being on the show and sharing his coffee routine as well as opening up about his life as a songwriter. I know we all start the new year with goals and aspirations, and that is so awesome. But the truth is that you don't have to do anything extra special, and you're perfect just as you are right now. We are still all very much in the midst of a global pandemic, and therefore many of us are spending time all by ourselves. So be your own best friend and talk to yourself in a cool, kind way. Do things that light you up and give you energy and take extra good care of yourself right now. Focus on the present moment and I think you will find yourself meeting all of your goals and with everything you could ever need or want. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share with your coffee music-loving friends. Check out the show notes for more information on some of the things Sam talked about. And if you just can't get enough, join My Caffeine Withdrawal's Facebook group to talk with other coffee and music lovers. And check out our Spotify playlist. Again, it's all in the show notes. Happy New Year! And I hope 2021 is filled with lots of delicious cups of coffee good music and inspiration. See you next week.